morning, everyone. Um, turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, Jeremiah 29, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Verse 11 uh, through 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then you shall call me upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Today we're going to look at our Bible study, the eternal conquest the issue of living the life that causes people to notice. Not everybody's going to be saved that you meet. That's just part of the franchise. But someone, someone should ask you why your life is different. Uh, Someone has to take notice. When Jesus walked on these uh, shores, the world watched every aspect of his life from the time he was 12 to the time he died on the cross at 33. And they were intrigued by him. Even the Roman soldier said, never a man spake like this man. What made him different? There's got to be something about your life that causes the world to say, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. And they may not uh, expect or approve of your answer, uh, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, but they've got to respect it. Even they, there may be people who are atheists or agnostic, who have no dealings with God, but they've got to respect you are different. Different from someone who's lost and going to hell. So three points I want to share with you. Keep God's, know God's heart, seek God's help, and then expect God's hand. Know God's heart, seek God's help, and expect God's hand. Let's pray together. We're looking at your word with expectation, God. Answer those questions that plague our heart. Make our life an example, a beacon, a life house of your grace is our prayer. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. First, know God's heart. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Do you know the thought God thinks of you? If God knows them, Have you looked in his word and know his heart? First of all, he loved you before you were born. He loved you with an expecting love that is greater than anything you expected, anything you could experience, anything you could know mentally. He loves you. He loves you. I want to tell you, one of the saddest things I've ever encountered is to meet somebody who was unloved. Or feels they're unloved. Uh, for many years of my ministry, I was on the suicide hotline. 
And every night, we got more than 10,000 calls. And every night, I would hear me, people tell me, I just want someone to love me. And I couldn't say it was against the law, but you say that there is somebody that loves you. His name is God. They could mention God, but I couldn't. But all I wanted to say to them is before you were born, you were loved. Let look at it. Look what it says in verse number 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord God of peace. First of all, he is thinking peaceful thoughts of you. Peaceful thoughts. It says, and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That means that nobody's life is supposed to end violently. Oh, they might be hurt or fall or whatever. But God has an answer for that. It's an expected end. It's one where his comfort, his peace, even in the last moment, the throes of death, they know that God is there. When my grandfather was dying, uh, I was the last one to speak to him. He asked me, do you know the book of Ephesians? I said, of course I know the book of Ephesians. No, word for word. No, Daddy, I, I can't say that I know the book of Ephesians. I've read it several times, but I don't know it by heart. He said, I do. The angels came and spoke to me the entire book of Ephesians. And before he died, he spoke the whole book of Ephesians. He knew he was dying, but the Lord had prepared his heart. When Dr. Savage uh, died, uh, he had 11 forms of cancer in his body. And he was up on his roof fixing his roof. Who has 11 forms of cancer and is up on their roof fixing the roof? He said, Brother Dwight, I'm going to die climbing. I'm not going to wallow my life away in pity. I'm going to see the king. And he was expecting that. Know God's heart. First point in know God's heart. Life can seem so unfair. Do you sit there? Look at Ephesians chapter 3. I'm sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 39. And uh, look at verses 1 and 2. You know this past scripture like I do. It's the life of somebody that we've come to know and to love. Joseph. And Joseph was brought unto Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And notice what the next verse says. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. He was a prosperous man as he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, nobody expected his brothers, nobody wanted his brothers to sell him into slavery. But he was sold to the Ishmaelites, people who are not in covenant with his God. And then he was sold to an Egyptian by them. And the Bible says, but the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. First of all, life seems unfair, but God is always fair. 
Now remember that we have a duality of life. We have our spirituality and our humanity. Our humanity has to go through situations, through storms, through uh, things we don't expect. But our spirituality remains constant. It remains normal. It remains God in you. When uh, Helen Roosevelt was being raped in Vietnam, she said, Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? And the Lord spoke to her audibly and said, can you trust me and love me enough that I'm doing something that I may never tell you and you'll never understand? And God told her she was going to have a horrible human existence, but he's still there. Life can seem so unfair, but what's the God answer? What does God have to say? The next thing, life can seem so unbalanced. Look at what the scripture says. Uh, Look at verse number 10. It says this, And it came to pass, as he spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be with her. And it came to pass about that time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. There was none of the men of the house there within. He Every time she would come into the room with him, he would saturate the room with his absence. He would leave. He would never fall a prey to the temptation. Listen, there are times when life seems unbalanced. I'm doing everything I can to live holy, but the world doesn't want me to live holy. When uh, I was a young man, probably still just barely in my teens, maybe in my early 20s, one woman I worked with was going through a bad marriage. Now, she eventually got a divorce from it. But during that time, she still tried to try to seduce me. And I told her about the Lord Jesus Christ every single time. She said, that's not what I need to hear. I said, I, that is what you need to hear. Because you, if your humanity fails you, your, host, your spirituality shouldn't. And she eventually came to know Christ, and she com- eventually confessed to me the, um, her feelings and her crush that she had on me. She said, but she, I can't explain it. I said, the reason why? We have an enemy called the devil, and uh, he has a wicked device and plan for us. I said, but you've got to know God's heart. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. She said, but I was in a rotten marriage. I said, it doesn't matter. Remember this. Life can seem so unbalanced. You're doing the best you can. And Satan sometimes looks like he's going to win. The next thing is this. Life can seem to have no meaning. Look at verse uh, chapter 40, verses uh, 23, 20 through 23. And it came to pass the third day, which was for Sarah's base. Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker and his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him 
for two years, for two years, life can seem to have no meaning, that God forgot you. But what is God doing? God in his own way is trying his best to prepare your heart. And you say, but I need God now. Trust me. It's evident in the scriptures, in the word of God. What is God doing behind the scenes will bring him glory in the future. Pharaoh didn't, Joseph didn't see the palace. All he saw was the prison. But the palace was going to be here soon. A whole nation was going to be blessed because of Joseph. Those years he was in the palace seemed like for 40 years he was in the palace. The time he spent in prison was forgotten. I'm not saying that God is going to make you rich and famous uh, while you're here on earth. But that's why eternity is so long. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. This little brief time that the scripture says, the apostle says, is but for a moment. It's nothing compared to the weight of glory that shall be for us. So know God's heart, but also seek God's help. There's five things you need to make an intricate part of your life. First of all, walk in the spirit. Walk as a spirit walks. Walk as spirit walks. Don't walk in the flesh. Don't walk in the flesh. What is the example that spirit uh, constantly gives us? Well, the scripture tells us that over and over again. In the book of Galatians, in the book of uh, John, God spends time. He tells us, walk as a spirit walks. He, uh, the spirit is subject to God in that context. Don't walk in the flesh. Because the simplest thing can set the flesh off, not the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Don't pray what you want. What does God want? What does God want? God always answers the prayers he can, uh, composes. When I uh, was in the hospital, I had long hours to expect nothing. Every day was the same for five weeks. And every day I knew what to expect oatmeal, and grilled cheese. And y'all, I lost 50 pounds in five weeks. Who, how could I help but lose weight? Oatmeal and grilled cheese. Okay? The oatmeal was not sweet, and they thickened my water so that every, um, well, anything I drank. They thickened it and thickened it, and I couldn't stand it anymore. I wouldn't drink it. And they said, Mr. Knight, how is it that you stay hydrated? They didn't know. Every night I was stealing ice and I was sucking it. So, um, and that made Stephanie mad, but that's all right. Okay. The next thing, be filled with the Spirit. That's a concept we've forgotten. But to be filled with the Spirit means you yield to the Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Have you have you studied God's word? Now, please hear me. We're starting a new year. How many chapters are you reading a day? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Say to yourself, you can do it. 
I'm going to read my Bible three times a year, four times a year. You can do that. Do you know that if you read your Bible uh, three chapters every day, you'll finish the Bible in a year. You read six chapters twice in a year. Three times or three and a half times a year, you'll read the Bible three times. Uh, I'm sorry, ten chapters a day. You read your Bible in three and a half times. And if you try, if you try more than that, you can read 15 chapters in 25 minutes. And guess what? You'll finish your Bible five times in a year. It's not that big. It's not that big. Even though you have 66 books and um, in that context you have over 1,100 chapters and you have over uh, 102 um, verses and 1,000 words, verses to read and 2 million words, you can do it. You can do it. Cut out something that you do that adds no benefit to your life, but hide God's word in your heart. You'll find that you'll start re- resourcing it more than you do the things of this world. Um, I stopped watching television years ago, and I was surprised how much time I had. And I read God's word. I read God's word. Be filled with the spirit. Yield to the spirit more than the flesh. Your wife will love you for it. That evil, mean person she married will eventually become a new person if you study God's word. War in the spirit. War in the spirit. If you see something's wrong, that doesn't mean you're supposed to just get mad and talk about it. You're supposed to pray about it. What does God mean? We, in our church, began to pray. And would you believe that there is no dirty bookstores in the entire city of Detroit? Now, we take the credit. We stopped that. Well, yeah, but God stopped it. God stopped it. And, and the porn industry began to protest. doesn't matter. The kingdom of darkness will always protest the things of righteousness. But that's how you change your neighborhood. We bring to light that which to war in the spirit. And next thing you do, quench not the spirit. God is moving. Are you on the baden wagon? Are you in the parade of God's movement? Can God count on you to be part of his plan? There's someone in your church, there's someone in your neighborhood, there's someone in your family, there's someone among your friends who's looking for what God has to say. Do you have the answer? Quench not the spirit. Always be willing to give him the credit. Always, always, always give God the credit. He deserves the glory. If you give God the credit, he'll give you the blessing. Throughout scripture, those that worship God and thank God and honored God got the blessing of knowing God. Listen, seek God's help in your life. And you see that all of these, and I can give you more, have the same context to it. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. If the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus uh, from the dead be in your mortal bodies, guess what it will do? It will raise you up also. It will raise you up also. Uh, I had uh, five different nurses while I was in the hospital, and all of them were Christians. 
four men, four women, and one man. All of them were Christians. They always had a, a word uh, for me, but they asked me, do you have anything from the Lord? Yeah, I have something for the Lord. And I would give them some verse of scripture, and they had it all day. And they went, they could hug me when I left. They hugged me. How many times has your nurse done that? And they asked me what church I went to. What else do you have in the Word? I said, I've written several books. And they said, we want a copy. And they reminded me, we want a copy of your books. And they, one nurse called me at home and she said, you promised me books. Oh, yeah, I did promise you books. Um, I'll send them right out to you as soon as I can. And I sent them to them that weekend. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have the chance to be an impact for the kingdom, be an an impact for the kingdom. There's always someone watching your life. When uh, one day at work, uh, when I was working, I was heading to the uh, cafeteria, and a young man stopped me. He said, I've been watching you, and I didn't know him. I said, you've been watching me? He said, I've watched you for four years. I watched when you went down to lunch. I watched when you did your Bible study. I watched you when you passed pretty girls. And I I said, so? He said, uh, I watched to see if your head would turn. I watched if you would cuss. I watched if you would drink. I watched if you would smoke. You didn't do any of those things. I said, okay, so what? You watched me for four years. What does it mean? He said, whatever you got, will you give it to me? Whatever it is. He was looking for an answer, not the Lord Jesus Christ. He was looking for an answer. Well, the answer and the Lord Jesus Christ are the same thing. Seek God's help. You're a witness to somebody that you may not know. And it'd be surprising. You know something that happened that was weird? I decided one day, without telling any of my family, that I was going to walk outside without my cane. And guess what? Before I got out of my walkway, I fell down. Eight of my neighbors came out and said, are you all right? We're not going to help you, but are you all right? They said, part of your healing process is when you fall down, you get up. And my neighbor right next door to me came over and she laid hands on me and she prayed for me for a half hour. I didn't know the woman was a Christian. But she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. She said, I hope you fall down a lot so you'll learn how to get up. And what she's saying to me was the same thing I'm saying to you. Listen, you're going to have struggles, but God is always there. God is always a part. God is always helping us, but he won't help you in spite of you. He won't help you instead of you. He's a worker with you. Quench not the spirit. Do what God, God wants you to do. He says so in his word. He tells us completely in his word what's expected of us. And more than anything else, we, we men are hard-headed. That's what God gave us wife. That's what God gave us women. And uh, a lot of times we know we, we can do it ourselves. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to do something. Something that uh, my grandfather did before he died, he told me, he had been a brethren preacher for 47 years, 
He told me there's a part of God that you'll never experience until you're hurting. Until you're hurting. I said, really? I couldn't see in my life that coming true. But one day, my boss tried to fire me. He tried to get rid of me as fat, and he told me. He cussed me out and called me all kinds of names, and he said he wasn't happy until I was going to be fired. Guess what? That day, I didn't call her. She called, a lady from our church called me on the phone and said, only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. She said, have you been wicked? I said, no. She said, no matter what has happened to you today. She didn't know about this guy. God is going to stand out. God moved him that afternoon. He got a job that he applied for, and he said, I will never work for a woman. I never some work for somebody that is other than white, and I never work for somebody that's younger than me. God gave him a black woman that was 31 years old in another department. Everything he was, didn't want, he moved that afternoon to another position. And I got his position. I got his position. My salary tripled. Well, he didn't go along with that woman. And he came back to our department. And when he came back, my boss, his boss, put him under me. God has a sense of humor. Quench not the spirit. And what he saw with me was not revenge or regret he saw loving mercy. And he asked the question, if you leave, Dwight, how am I become a Christian? How will I know Christ for myself? I said, God will show him his hand of mercy. Uh, he will show his kindness to you. Quench not the spirit. Seek God's help. If things are working against you, God has a plan. What is it? What is it? Okay, the next thing. Expect God's hand. Notice what the scripture says. I will hearken unto you, and you shall hear me. Every day, start off with prayer. Start off with prayer. It's amazing that in my house right now, I have a couple. They just got married. They came to live with me, and they're expecting a child now in my home. Now, that's not surprising to me, but they make no indication of leaving. They, they look at my home as their home. I wasn't expecting that. Stephanie wasn't expecting that. But they uh, give their address and mail comes to, their, to our house as though it were their own. They took my car. I, I have not driven in or even ridden in it in seven months. They took my car. Their car is dying. They took my car. They said, uh, you need to sign this over to it. Wait a minute. Who said that? Well, we're driving it, so we should probably be in our name. I'm paying the insurance. This is not what I expected. But notice what the scripture says. Hearken unto me, and you will hear me. Sometimes you don't understand what is going on. God's doing a work that is greeting you. Let's look at uh, Psalm 37. Psalm 37. I think Psalm 37 is my favorite of all the things that David wrote. It's so long. 
and tells completely what God is doing and how he's doing it and what to expect. Look at what it says in verse 8, 9, and 10. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Evil is never the answer. For evil workers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. That's one of the keys of this chapter. You're going to see it again. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, this passage of scripture, five times he talks about the meek inheriting the earth. Now, meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness means having the power to retaliate, but choosing not to. The Bible says about uh, Moses in Numbers chapter 4 that he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. So many times he can rose up in anger, but he didn't. How many times when the flesh had a solution, but you, didn't, you yielded to the spirit? The first thing. Everything that happens to you, be meek toward it. You could say uh, things that uh, express your anger, your frustration. <coughs> but what does the Lord say? There was a lady in our church. She knew her Bible. Uh, wow, she was amazing. Sister Alexander, she's still with us. She's 92 years old, and she's still with us. And every time I would try to ask that woman, a question about life. She said, what does the Bible say? I said, hold this, Sister Alexander. I need your advice. She said, what does the Bible say? That's, I, I don't need that. I want to hear from you. She was my Sunday school teacher. And she would always say, what the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And when I turned 18, she said, do you know why I always say the Bible says? I said, no. She said, the Bible will only be Always right. That's the only thing the Bible can do, is be right. She said, Dwight, live your life with the Bible says. Look, meekness is not weakness. Although you have the power to retaliate and fight back, don't. Yield to the Spirit. So, the first thing, what will the meek can do? The meek will inherit the earth. The man's job that I took that was such a mean man, one that cussed me out and smoke and drank and that kind of thing. At the end, when he retired from that company, he said I was the best boss he ever had. I could have fired him. I could have gotten rid of him. I could have treated him the way he treated me. But instead, I treated him with kindness. I treated him with mercy. He had two-hour lunches and hour-long breaks. I didn't say anything. I just was the kindest boss he ever had. Meekness is not weakness. It's yielding to the Spirit. Also, look at what it says in chapter of verse 11. Maintain your testimony. In verse 11 it says this, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall light themselves in the abundance of peace. If you want to be happy, if you really want to be happy, be a peaceful person. Always find out the peace of the Holy Spirit. 
And the peace of God that passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. Sister Roach is uh, 94 years old. She and I were born on the same day, and I call her birthday girl. She said, hey, birthday boy. She was an old woman when I was born. She was 44 when I was born. Sister Roach, I went over her house. She was a seamstress, and she had thread there that was older than me. She had items that were older than me. And she said, all my life. And she was still driving. She was driving her, still driving her car. And she said, the longer I live, the more God is right. She said, I hope I live long enough that he's totally right. And I said, Sister Roach, I hope you live to be 115. Oh, no. I want to be 125. And I said, oh, uh, Okay. That's fine. She said, it's not that far off. She said, if you keep living life and seek God's peace. There is something to be said about God. Maintain your testimony so the world can say, it can only be God. It can only be God. One young man who was, uh, and of his own testimony, evil and a thief and uh, treated people falsely, accepted Christ. And when he accepted Christ, people asked him, what made the difference in your life? I've accepted Christ as my Savior. The heathen, the heathen, the unsaved, the unrighteous, the unregenerate said, praise God. Because he's praised if he can change somebody like you. I see the change that only a God can do. Now, they weren't Christians, but they noticed the change in his life. The value of experiencing change in his life. His dog didn't know what to think of his change. His wife didn't know what to do with him as a changed person. She became a Christian. His sons, two of his sons were gay. Their lives changed because his life had changed. And they began to understand who they were. And they got married. Why? Because God's change should be that dynamic in your life. In your life. Listen, this is our last point. The first miracle in anything that God's do, that God does, is mercy. Is mercy. The Bible, well, a songwriter, Ray Overholtz, I met him. Uh, when he was uh, coming through Detroit on his tour, that he wrote, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. Ray Overholtz was a drinking, hard, cussing, fighting, vigilant man, but he met the Lord Jesus, and he was the meekest man I ever met. He was quiet. He sought God's peace. The change in him took him from being a sinner and a wrongdoer to a writer for God. And he wrote several songs for God. And he, you would hear him sing. God gave him a voice. He didn't have a voice before he got saved. God gave him a voice. And he sang to thousands. 
before he died. The song that he loved the most was, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God is close in the garden. In the garden. The first miracle God has for all of us is his mercy. Uh, Several years ago, a little girl had a blood disease. She needed a transfusion in her life. Getting her bad blood out and somebody else's good blood in. Unfortunately, she was AB negative, a very rare blood type. And the only person that lived around her in a small community was her brother. He had the same kind of blood type, AB negative. And they asked him, they said, Johnny, just six years old, six or seven, do you mind giving your blood so your sister can live? He said, for her, I would do anything. I would do anything. And they put him on a gurney, and they put him the IV in his arm, and then he turned with tears, and he asked the nurse, when will I die? He thought that he had to give his, his life as well as his blood, but it was worth it so that his sister could live. They said, no, we only need to give her part of your blood. You'll live too. You'll live too. He said, but I want her to live. Take all of my blood. It doesn't, she, we don't need all her, your blood, just some of it. Some of it. And then your sister will live. Okay, go ahead, doctor. And he was afraid of needles. And they stuck the needle in his arm. It's all right. She was going to live. She went on to live a very, very uh, powerful life. Her name, Clara Barton, the one who started the Red Cross. All because her loved brother loved her. God's first miracle is always mercy. Your life, my life, matters nothing without Christ. But when someone is willing to be a change agent of his mercy, he'll use them as the miracle the world needs. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we had around it. Use these few scattered words to talk about the the eternal conquest of changing and living our life in the spirit. Father, by your word and by your spirit, let us be the, the answer, the catalyst the world needs so desperately today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.